It's worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and is still to come. We praise your name, Jesus, the only one that's worthy to be praised, the one that's worthy of all our adoration. Be magnified in this place. Be exalted today, Jesus, as we lift you up. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing now, Lord. And we ask by the the power of your Holy Spirit that you would continue to speak into our lives this morning, God, as we look to you, as we look to your word and everything that you've got planned for us, God. We we bless your name this morning. And we all say amen and amen, amen. Thank you so much to the team. It's, uh, It's always so difficult to to stop worship when it almost feels like we can just continue in worship as a, as a worshiper myself. <laughs> I know the feeling. But uh, welcome to you. It's so good to see you. I think I saw most of you at the desk this morning. Um, I, it reminded me of, uh, of my student days when I waited. I was a lousy waiter. Um, <laughs> and as I was frazzled to write your names down, um, if I haven't seen you, good morning. My name is Leon. For those that don't know me, for guys online, Welcome, it's so good to have you and to see you, and uh, it's wonderful. Um, just a few announcements. Um, in terms of our Domino kitchen, please, we'd, we'd urge you again for any donations for non-perishable foods. Um, as you come in the coffee hall, there's a table in the front. Sherry, thank you so much. But yeah, you're welcome to come and drop it off during the week. If you can't bring it on a Sunday, if you uh, forget, that's okay. Cheryl's here in the week, Dwayne's here. Um, even if you want to make a, a, a donation, you can, um, the, the Domino uh, bank details are on there. Please just allocate it to Domino. And then um, just another quick announcement. A couple of weeks ago, I brought this chair, um, and I asked that for anyone here today and those online, if you have got a, something similar like this, uh, preferably wood if possible, but if you've got a a chair standing around like this one that was just standing in my study for the last, I don't know how many years, <laughs> and you are willing to donate it to us, we'd love to have a few more. We need four more chairs. We want to do something special. Uh, we're going to make another exciting announcement next week, so please uh, make sure you, you tune in for that one. But if you've got a chair like this, uh, won't you bring it along? If you're not sure, send a photo to any one of the elders or to Dwayne. Uh, or bring it with on your phone. We'd love to have four more of these. So uh, I think that's it. Uh, all the kids are out, but if there are any, the ones at the back are gone. Greg, over to you. Thank you. Thanks so much. There we go. All right. In the middle. I think so. Good morning. How are you? All right, eh? Good. Good morning to those joining us online. I trust the sound's okay today. Dwayne, is it all right, eh? I'm getting a thumbs up, so that's good. Great to have you join us. Uh, we can congratulate our newlyweds over here, Mark and Catherine. Congratulate, guys. <laughs> good. All right. So, um, let's check this is all good. All right, let's put this out the way. So today is going to be a bit of a bridge message between Easter weekend and the series we're starting from next Sunday. We're going to be starting a series on the book of James called Living Faith. I've got the right title. I just suddenly doubted myself this morning. <laughs> Living faith. 
And uh, you know, the book of James is one of the most misunderstood probably in the New Testament. There are actually Christians who wish that James wasn't in the Bible. Would you believe it? Because people see it sometimes as a contradiction to Paul's writings, which it isn't. It's actually complementary to it. It goes hand in hand with what Paul wrote. So it's going to be an exciting series to really stir us and challenge us and uh, encourage us to live out the faith that is so true for us. Amen. So it's going to be good. So this, I hope, will build towards that. And as you look up here now, you'll see um, my title when I started, when I had this message on my heart, began with my sheep, my witnesses. But I realized I was pulling my usual stunts of trying to cram way too much into a message. So I'm afraid my witnesses dropped away pretty early on <laughs> in my prep. So I might just touch on something at the end, but we're going to really be focusing on the my sheep part today. All right. So let's have a look. Now, the story will pick up from what we looked at in the scripture readings on Thursday night at our Tenebrae service, where, as we heard, uh, Peter had really messed up. Remember that uh, after Jesus' arrest, Peter had denied him three times exactly as Jesus had said he would do. All right? And when we get to John 21, John chapter 21, which remembers after the resurrection of Jesus, we find Peter saying to his friends, his disciples, that he was going fishing. Now, men, men go fishing. Amen? Any fishermen out there? Okay? Men go fishing for sport, for recreation. But I kind of get the sense that Peter, who once was a fisherman as his occupation, he was almost going back to his old occupation. Having denied Jesus those three times, and even knowing that Jesus was now alive, he was resurrected. I think in Peter's heart he thought, I'm disqualified. I messed up. I failed Jesus. He probably won't have any place for me in his plans going forward. So he says he's going fishing, and seven other, six other disciples go and join him. They spend the night fishing. They catch nothing. Any other fishermen out there? <laughs> That's normally my story. Catch nothing. Only rocks. And uh, so they caught nothing, but Jesus, early the next morning, he appears on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus. And uh, he tells them, boys, throw your net on the, on the other side of the boat, on the right side. They do that, and they get this haul of fish that they can't even bring into the boat. It's so much and friends, what Jesus is doing is he is recreating the scene of the first miraculous catch of fish when he called Peter and said to Peter, you'll be a fisher of men. And uh, no wonder that when Peter realizes, when they say it's the Lord, I mean, he's out of that boat. He's almost running on water again uh, to get to Jesus. And when they get to the shore, it's amazing. Jesus got a fire going. They're ready fish on the fire. There's bread as well. And isn't it amazing how the Lord doesn't take, only take care of our, of our spiritual needs, as important as those are, but he takes care of our practical needs too. So we're going to pick it up from John chapter 21, from verses 15 through to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. To. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Friends, on the one hand, there's no doubt that Peter had this weight of guilt and shame, this, this pain of knowing that he'd failed Jesus, all right? But on the other hand, Jesus loved his disciple far too much to ignore it, just to leave him where he was. If Jesus didn't address 
what Peter was going through, Peter would have been held back in not only his walk with God, but also his service of Jesus. And so Jesus goes right to where Peter's pain is by basically asking him the same question three times. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I mean, most of you know this already. I mean, it's been pointed out in so many different messages before that just as Peter publicly denied Jesus three times, so Jesus now gives him the the, the opportunity to reaffirm his love for Jesus three times. And this was also probably public. It would have been in the presence of the other disciples. So it was humbling for, for Peter, but it was healing. But Jesus, though, this is what I want to line. He goes about this reinstatement in a most interesting way. So think about this. I'm sure most of you have broken or damaged someone else's property that was in your care. Hey? Only me. Okay, I do see one hand flying up out there. Some painful memories, perhaps. A healing moment. All right. But you know what it's like? You, maybe you're borrowing a tool or you're, just, you're using something or you're visiting somewhere and you knock something over and it breaks, it's damaged. You know, even if it was an accident, it wasn't an intentional thing, obviously, but you feel terrible and you feel lousy. You've got to go to the person and say, oh, I'm sorry, I broke this, okay? Now, what we all want, what we all want is for the person to say, oh, no, man, don't feel bad. That old thing, we were going to throw it out anyway. Don't worry, I've got another half a dozen vases. I've got another weed eater in the tool shed. That's what we want here. It, it's so much better when people try to make us feel better. Not so. Don't feel so bad. Don't feel so guilty. Now, we almost would expect Jesus to do something like that, but he doesn't. He doesn't go up to Peter and just, hey, but pat him on the shoulder. Don't worry, man. I remember I told you you were going to do this. I knew it was going to happen. I've forgiven you. Just forget it. Move on. Jesus doesn't do that, does he? Look what he does. He asks Peter these three questions, okay? And each time Peter answers to affirm his love for Jesus, what does Jesus do? He gives Peter something to do. He's not just interested in trying to make Peter feel better. He's reinstating him and reassigning him, as it were in terms of the bigger picture of what he has for Peter. Each time, he gives Peter something to do. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Isn't that amazing? Tom Wright says this. He says, This scene between Jesus and Peter is one of the most spectacular interchanges in the whole Bible, perhaps in all literature. The most remarkable thing about it is that by way of forgiveness, Jesus gives Peter a job to do. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Three times, okay? He gives something to do. Now, you and I are usually quite happy to think of ourselves as the lamb and the sheep, with God appointing Peters in our lives to feed us and to take care of us. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready for the curveball? Okay. Online, are you ready for the curveball? Here comes the curveball, all right? Here we go. Thanks, Leah. What if the work that Jesus gave Peter to do is our work too? It's like the in-swinging Yorker. You're playing for that. Then, shoop, boom, there goes the off stump. You didn't see that one coming, eh? All right. What if the work that Jesus gave Peter to do is our work too? Now, someone might say, objection. Objection. Better not say, your honor. Just objection. In case you've forgotten, Greg, in case you weren't paying attention, this was Jesus speaking to Peter the apostle. You can't possibly apply what Jesus said to him to us. Now, it's true. Peter was um, one of the first leaders in the early church. This was, of course, a man who walked with Jesus. And, of course, when you look at it, the, um, what Jesus conveys to him, there is something shepherding or pastoral about it. Let me just say that older pastor, same thing. It's a shepherding role in the church, under shepherds, under Jesus, the chief shepherd. So this does look, it almost looks like something like an eldership kind of mandate. Okay? And it's true that most Christians are not going to be called to carry eldership responsibility for shepherding a larger group of God's people. All right? Is that. But... 
that doesn't mean, friends, that we are all exempted from loving and caring for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? I'm going to say that again because that was, okay? That doesn't mean that you and I, I'm including myself, are exempted from loving and caring for our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Okay? I want to tell you about one of the greatest heresies that the enemy, the devil, has managed to sneak into the church and to get to take root in the church. And it is the, this heresy, the clergy and laity divide, okay? How it works is like this. That the thinking is that you have the clergy, okay? Paid professionals who do all the work, all the work of ministry. Whereas the laity then, which is the rest, everybody else, basically just sits back in the pews and watches what the pro is busy doing, okay? Now, and it's, I mean, there have been times in church history where this thing has been so extreme. I mean, for example, there were times that the congregation couldn't even take communion. You'd watch the priest up front having communion on behalf of the people, okay? It's not that bad anymore, but this is still a problem in the church today. Still is, all right? Ed Stetzer says this. I love this quote. He says, The image that such terminology creates is of two classes of people inside the church. The first class, emphasis on first, is the professional clergy referred to as ministers by some churches. The second class, I meant to say that, is the lay people. I also see something that is not only unbiblical, but I believe it sabotages the mission of God intended for all God's people and teaches lay people that they are the ones who do nothing or are worth very little. Great quotes, eh? This heresy began to take root in the church from about the third century AD, okay? If you go back before that, it was never part of the New Testament church. You don't find a clergy laity divide in the early church, not at all, okay? Now, if you go back to the Old Covenant, for sure, you had the Levites, one of the tribes, who were called to serve as, minister, as priests unto God. But when you come through the cross, when you get to the New Covenant, New Testament, everything changes. Have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, and then verse 9. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Now, there's a footnote there to say the reference to priests is to a royal priesthood, okay? So in other words, friends, no longer is there just one little group in the greater body of Christ who serves as priests. No, we are all priests. Turn to your neighbor. If you're online, turn to someone sitting with you and say, you're a priest. Okay, now say it like you really mean it, okay? You're a priest. All right, okay? This, friends, is a privilege. Not a burden. Not, oh, no, okay? Something I've got to do. It's a privilege, friends, that we can draw near to God. We can come into the presence of God as His royal priesthood. We can draw near. We can minister to God. And we can serve God and demonstrate our love for the Lord by serving His people and showing love and kindness and caring for those around us. Amen? Okay. So here's the thing. Now, this is also a good point to just touch on this thing because sometimes people wonder why it works like this. Let me tell you, okay? This, friends, is the big reason why I'm not Pastor Greg. I'm just Greg. You just call me Greg, not Pastor Greg. Now, not only that Jesus, and this is the main point, Jesus actually spoke out quite strongly against using titles in church, okay? But as an NCMI church with NCMI roots and that we, as a relating church, this was always a big part of NCMI, that you fight and you war against this clergy-laity divide, which titles can often, can often bring in and encourage, okay? 
So let me put it to you this way. An elder is an office in the New Testament church. So elders and deacons, these are two offices. But this is what I do. It's my function. I function as an elder and a pastor. Same thing again. In the Bible, same. They mean the same thing. Okay? So I wouldn't come to you and say, hello, teacher Sue, or hello, plumber Bob. Okay? I don't address you by your function. Does that make sense? Are you with me? All right? Okay? So this is the thing is that I want to try and get this right. Please listen to me carefully. Hear my heart, okay? We should want to follow the example of, and we need to follow the leadership of the leaders that God places in our lives. All right? There is a place to respect the authority that God bestows on Christian leaders. Can I have an amen to that? But here's the thing, friends. It is phenomenally, extremely dangerous to put leaders like myself up on a pedestal. Because when churches do that, we build towards the man. We focus on the man, the pastor, okay? Instead of focusing on and building towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen to that? All right. Please beware. We're also not swinging the pendulum to the other extreme, by the way, where pastors and elders are treated like doormats to be trampled on. That also happens in some churches. We're not going there either. My point is simply this, friends, is that being a pastor or an elder, it's not a title that elevates me just, just under the throne of Jesus while the rest of you wallow here just a few notches above Yes, okay, I won't go there, all right? You get the point, all right? There's no divide. I'm not closer to God because I'm a pastor, and he only listens to me and not you. All right, can we just smash that heresy, all right? That biblical untruth. All right, are we all there? Are you with me? So, as a church, we are yet to know Jesus and make him known. Part of our vision is of being a base church is of discipling the nations. And the chairs that Leon's referring to, the second chair, is this very thing of mobilizing, raising up, equipping the priesthood, of all believers, which is every one of us in this church. All right. So I gave you this quote last year by Bruce Mill. I want to use it again. He said, following Jesus and loving Jesus means accepting responsibility for Jesus' people, a truth which is in need of rehabilitation at the present time. Commitment to Christ involves commitment to the church of Christ. Jesus Christ is not a single person in the sense that he comes to us without other attachments. He is a married person. He comes to us with a bride whom he loves, and for whom he sacrificed himself. Isn't that a wild moment? Hey? I mean, that's just amazing. I love that one, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus yet today, if you're watching online, you're a follower of Jesus, you're not following a single guy. You're following a married man. And when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to the bride which comes with him, which, by the way, you are part of. You and I are part of the church of Christ, amen? The bride of Christ. And so we get to, as we love him, we get to also love and be committed to the bride too. All right, amen, good. If you're still not convinced... All right, let me turn to Jesus. Let's look at the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus gave his disciples then and us now this command, new command, to love one another as he loved us. Jesus loved us with the most sacrificial, self-giving love that this world has ever seen. And he calls on us to love each other in the same way. And this is how the world will know that we are his disciples. Here's another one, words of Jesus. I actually was reading this recently in my quiet time. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it says, Jesus says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and in the prophets. In our Bibles, this goes under the heading of the golden rule. You might see it in yours if you have a look too. And friends, as Christians, we often want and even expect other Christians to love, care for us, pray for us. Challenges, we're not always doing that first ourselves. Jesus can't be any clearer in this. Treat others in the way that you want them to treat you. Amen. Okay. Now, 
Hopefully that settles it, okay? And we remember too that these weren't mere words, empty words by Jesus. Jesus lived this. He modeled this. Remember, before calling on his disciples to serve one another in love, Jesus had got down on his knees at the Last Supper, got down and washed those stinking feet of his disciples, performing the menial task that none of them were willing to stoop down and do, not even to wash Jesus' feet himself. He modeled this. He lived this. And he calls us to do the same. We've seen it too in the passage we looked at earlier. I gave you just, we didn't read the whole thing. I gave you the story. But remember Jesus taking care of a vitally important need of Peter's. Okay, Peter needed to have this, this guilt and shame, this pain in his heart. It had to be addressed. And Jesus deals with it so Peter can move forward in his walk with Jesus and his service of the Lord. Okay. And of course, in addition to taking care of the important spiritual needs, Jesus also feeds his disciples. A practical thing. He feeds them. Okay. Gives them breakfast. You know, when they came on shore, I mean, can you imagine what it was like to see that fire going with fish and bread? Ever wondered where the fish and bread came from? Hey, I have. I'd love to know. Just have to leave it under the all things are possible for God file, I think. <laughs> One day in heaven, okay? Point is, Jesus fed them, friends. He fed them. And so this is the thing. We can often think as Christians that the loving and caring part is for other Christians. Christian leaders and big capacity Christians like Peter, for example, okay? Friends, we've got to recognize that when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to his bride. He's loving the bride to caring for one another, to treating each other and looking out for each other as we would want to be treated and looked out for ourselves. Amen? So here's my question to you today. Who are you looking out for? Who are you taking care of at this time? Now, I mean, feeding is an obvious one that comes to mind. Sure. We're making the appeal for food items. I mean, there's, there's that practice, making meals for people, helping financially. But friends, this thing runs so wide and so vast and broad. There are so many ways, practical ways, that we can demonstrate the love of God to others in our church and even beyond for that matter. That was the witnesses part. That was the other part, okay? It works both ways. Now, if you look at the early church, the New Testament church, there was an almost mind-blowing level of caring and sharing in the early church. It's incredible. It's staggering how they looked out for each other. It really is, okay? And let me state the obvious. No, you are not being called to take care of every need in the greater Todi community or wherever you're watching this, Okay? Not even being cared or called to take care of every need within this local church. It's simply this. Lord, who are you showing me? Who are you calling on me to reach out for and to care? So this is what we're going to do. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to do that right now. I thought of doing it a bit differently today. We're going to have a few pauses where we're just going to wait on the Lord. Now, I want to be clear on this, as clear as I can. Please listen to this before we even pray. This is not a guilt-driven thing. This is not you feeling, oh, I suppose I better try and do something. Just... Give me something, Lord. This is not looking for good ideas. This is looking for God's direction. Just simply saying, open my eyes, Lord. Is there someone or something that you want to show me right now? Maybe you're really involved in things. You, that, that's fantastic. Brilliant. But we're going to pause in a moment and just say, Spirit of God, Father, would you speak to me now? Is there someone you want to open my eyes to see? A family or something you want me to be involved with? Maybe it is volunteering in the Domino Kitchen. Maybe in addition to like some of the obvious things of giving away food or helping people financially, maybe it's cutting the grass of that neighbor who's been laid up in bed sick for a long time. Maybe it's fixing the appliance of the widow who isn't able to get it fixed herself. Just, I I don't want to narrow this, friends. Please hear my heart. I want to keep this as broad as possible. Just keep your hearts open now as we pray and say, Father, is there someone that you want to show me? Is there something that you are laying on my heart right now to do? Please speak to me, Lord. We're going to give it a few seconds. Just wait on God. See if there's anyone or anything he lays on your heart. Let's do that together. Thank you, Lord.
All right. Amen. That was part one. Let's move on to part two. <laughs> okay. We talk about attending a church service. For a number of people, especially with the Western mindset, that means I come to church to be served and not to serve. Okay, now in a more extreme form of this, we call it consumer Christianity. What it means then is that people arrive at church like consumers where they expect everyone else to do everything else while they sit back and just watch and then slip away and go home. Okay, now please let me be clear what I'm about to say now. It doesn't apply to people who guess, to people who are still finding their feet, looking into a church, new in church. Okay, we're talking about people who would say, this is my church. Okay, that's, that's who you're referring to here. Okay, now can I say that this, friends, is... It's not identical to, but it's heading along the lines of the clergy-laity divide, all right? And the thing is this, I'm happy to say that this has never been part of the DNA of Kingsway Church International. We've never been a church where 10 or 15% of the people burn themselves out trying to do everything whilst the vast majority sit back and don't want to lift a finger. This is a church where the majority serve at the service. Can I have an amen? And thank you for that. It's, it's wonderful. It's just, it's a beautiful part of our culture, who we are, all right? Even recently, we've had new people coming in who've been putting their hands up to serve and get involved. That's who we are as a church. That's part of our, our DNA. Now, we've got to remind ourselves again, this is a privilege. And I'm talking about Sunday, but of course, there are many other areas outside of a Sunday where people serve in the church and through the church, okay? Um, we remind ourselves that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ in this way. When we serve others, we're actually serving Him. We're getting to use gifts and talents and abilities that God has put within us, resources and opportunities. And we also remind ourselves that when a whole number of people are serving, we all get to share in the reward of the ministry, not just the clergy, whoever that might be, all right? We all get to share in the rewards of that ministry. So again, already on a Sunday, I mean, there's so many people involved. I always hesitate because I'll leave people out, but obviously from our music teams to sound and words at the back to, I mean, those helping out at the doors, kid zone, okay? Many different people serving different areas. So if you're serving already, big thanks to you, all right? You are helping to make the service happen through your serving. Amen. All right. But here's the thing. I want you to close your eyes. Just bow your heads again today. Maybe, maybe you've got a talent and it's been buried and you know you, yeah, you'll know if it's you already. And there's just something you've really felt a stirring in your heart and you want to be involved in a certain area in the life of the church, the ministry of the church. Again, whether it's, it's from um, worship through to kids zone, through to sound words, whatever it is, okay, there's that. And then I also want to encourage you, even if you're saying, well, I don't think I've got skills for any of those things. The good news is that we are busy and almost ready to implement serving teams in our church where you'll be able to serve practically yeah, on a Sunday, be part of teams. Not every week, please, that our heart has always been. It's like a one in three kind of thing that we spread. Spread the load, spread, spread it so that everyone gets the privilege and the opportunity to share in some ways. That makes sense. All right. So we're going to do this again. If you're already serving, thank you and God bless you. Be encouraged as you serve Jesus. But perhaps today, just as you still your heart, just say, Lord, is there something that you want me to be doing? You want me to be stepping into? Maybe it's something that for a long time is like dormant. Maybe you've buried it. Maybe you once used to serve God with this gift or in this way, but you feel God again calling you today to, to dig it up, to unearth it, and to step into that area or to be part, as I said, of our serving teams, which we're going to be starting up very soon as well. So just see what God stirs and lays on your heart. Could even be something outside of that. Okay? Let's do that now. Let's give the Lord a moment just to speak to us. Listen to Him. Just see if He shows you anything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Cool. Good. Last one. All right. The final thing, of course, 
a spiritual feeding, which may be a better way of saying a spiritual care, spiritual ministry reaching out. So of course, this is something once again that is not just reserved for pastors or elders, okay? Pastors and elders, same thing. I have to keep emphasizing that, okay? This is something, friends, we can all do. At the very least, we can be praying for one another. Prayer is so massively, so vitally important, all right? So praying for one another. Maybe it's picking up your phone and phoning someone you haven't seen for a while, especially someone who maybe hasn't been able to get to these in-person services, just seeing how they're doing, encouraging them. Maybe it's uh, giving someone an encouraging word or a passage of Scripture. Perhaps it's actually taking someone who is a younger believer in the faith, younger in the faith, taking them under your wing and mentoring and discipling them. There's a great need for that today. If you've been a Christian for quite a period of time, you're a spiritual believer, there really should be someone in your life you mentoring and discipling, okay? Maybe not saying you have to make them like Jesus all by yourself, but sometimes it's just for a season. But friends, we have the privilege. Some of the most meaningful things I feel I've done as a, as a Christian have been those times of just those discipleship opportunities, okay? We're going to do that now. Would you bow your heads again and just say, Lord, again, if you are already involved in things I mentioned, wonderful. God bless you. Be encouraged. Serve Jesus strongly with the grace he provides. But if you right now, you know that there's a sense in your heart that God's got more. We're just going to still our hearts and say again, Lord, show me, is it someone, is it something? Even a phone call, even a passage of scripture, whatever it is, just let's still our hearts now and see what God would speak to us. We're going to give, a, we give the Lord time to speak. Speak to us, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Maybe you didn't, just as we're in this place, perhaps you didn't get anything or anyone in this time. I'd encourage you, just keep your heart open. Don't feel disqualified or discouraged. Just keep your heart open. If you seek the Lord, believe me, He, let me say this. I'm actually going to say this now. Just keep your, head, your, your eyes closed, your heads bowed. I'm going to say this to you today, that sometimes we're Peter friends. Going off script, Jared, but it's something on my heart right now. I want to say this to you, that sometimes we feel like Peter. We've messed up in the past. We've felt most of us have got a long line of failures, of mistakes, as it were, when it comes to trying to reach out and serve the Lord and serving others. And so often, like Peter, we probably disqualify ourselves. We feel that we don't really have a place, most probably, in God's bigger plan. But just like Jesus so lovingly and powerfully reinstated Peter, I feel like today he just wants to reinstate some folk here. He wants to say that it's not your past that disqualifies you. It's his calling that qualifies you. It's the bigger picture of what God so graciously, we, we're never worthy, friends. We, we don't come strutting in with our chest all puffed out and say, look at me, Lord, you must be so happy that I'm on your side. We just recognize all that we do is by the grace of God. It's his gift that he places within us. It's his opportunities that he opens up for us. The good works are the ones he's already prepared in advance for us to do. We don't take the credit or the glory. It all goes to God. And I want to say to you today, God has not put a line through your name in, in, uh, in His plan, in His story. He has got a place for you. And I just encourage you today, even if right now, maybe it was hard for you, maybe you felt like you weren't really hearing God or getting anything, if you just keep your heart open, please believe me. I can say this with assurance. I, I heard a story the other day. I went, went, I'll let the person share it themselves one day, but basically just someone praying a prayer and saying, Lord, if you want to help me, want me to help, want me to be involved in some way, yeah, right, I am. And less than an hour later, they got a phone call with an opportunity. So please believe me, if you make yourself available, God will very definitely take you up on your offer. I can assure you that he's already got those good works stored up for you. So I just pray today, Lord, that no one would disqualify themselves. That no one would see themselves as too small. Almost like Gideon. What have I got to offer? What can I do? 
We thank you, Lord, it's by grace. It's by the power of your Spirit upon us and within us. And we thank you, God, that it's your good works already prepared for us, Lord God. Those are the things that we, that we step into. And we pray, Lord, I pray this today. I trust that you would lead all of us as your royal priesthood into that which you have for us. Even in this week, even if it's a phone call, even if it's a meal, whatever it is, thank you that we would have the privilege of serving you by serving those around us in love. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we said, amen and amen. All right, good. I have got two more paragraphs probably, so let me just finish them quickly. Um, on the beach that day, friends, you get the sense that Jesus wasn't wasting time. His ascension day was coming when he would return to the Father. Pentecost was coming. Jesus wastes no time in reinstating Peter. Not just to just stroke him and make him feel a little better. Jesus reinstates him and recommissions Peter with purpose. Okay? But before he does that, he gets Peter's eyes off of his failures and his mistakes. And he gets Peter's eyes on himself, on Jesus. And when he says those words, follow me, friends, those mirrored the very words which, Peter, which Jesus first said to Peter on a beach just like that one, when he first called Peter. And in fact, follow me is in the present imperative tense, which actually means Jesus was almost saying, keep on following me. Keep on following me. And then, having got Peter's eyes upon him, Jesus says, now look out to the sheep and the lambs that I'm going to entrust to you further down the road. Okay? And Peter would be able to demonstrate his love that he just said, affirmed three times, he would be able to demonstrate that love through his love and his care for those who Jesus would entrust him. Just like, friends, we get to demonstrate our love for Jesus through our service, our love, our care for those around us. I want to end off with this. Thanks, Leah. There we go. That's, that was the title today. And I want to say this, two last points quickly. On the one hand, only Jesus can truly say those words, my sheep. Okay? Because we belong to Jesus. You never belong to any leader, to any man, whoever passed or whatever. You don't belong to some institution. You belong to Jesus Christ who purchased you with his very own blood. So on the one hand, only Jesus can say, these are my sheep. Okay? Like I said, even as pastors and elders, we are under shepherds, under the chief shepherd. All right? The sheep belong to Jesus. But on the other hand, friends, as we look around today, maybe even look around you. Maybe if you're online as well, we, we're seeing you too with us today. You can look around and say, my sheep, in the sense of belonging. That, friends, this is our tribe. This is our family who we belong to. And as part of that, as the, there's the privilege, but the responsibility that goes with it is that we love and we care for one another. And that way we demonstrate our love for Jesus, our King. Amen. Amen. Can we close in prayer today? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for this incredible privilege of our belonging to you that our future is secure in you, Lord God, even as we come out of the Easter weekend and knowing that that changed everything for us, that we are in your family and we are the sheep belonging to Jesus Christ. But I thank you too, Lord, that this is the sense of belonging. We can look around and say, these are my sheep. This is my family. This is my tribe. This is where I belong. And again, Lord, even as we prayed earlier, I thank you, Lord, that your heart is for us to demonstrate our love for one another in practical ways, in, in just the ways that you grace us and enable us and lead us. And in that way, Lord, as we demonstrate your love, we also demonstrate it to the world around us. We show that we are your disciples. And I want to pray too, Lord, that even as I haven't been able to go there today, that we're also called to be your witnesses, to go and tell, to go and share the good news, and again, to demonstrate your love in incredibly practical ways, in a way that shows the world, that demonstrates your goodness to the world, and in that way causes hearts to turn to you, Jesus. So we pray for this now. We thank you that you lead us, guide us. I just repeat what I prayed earlier. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you lead us into those good works you've already prepared in advance for us? We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And together we said, amen and amen.
wonderful stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week. Have a God-serving week. How about that one, okay? Have, a, have your eyes open. May God lead you into all that He has for you in this week. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much.